The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Save our wildlife, save the environment, save our world. It all starts with a little knowledge. Welcome to Our Wild World with L.A. Weiss. There is so much that's being done and can be done with help from specialists and marginalized community groups to you. We'll discuss the future of Africa, the wildlife, and the people, and show you how it affects the entire planet. Now, here is Ellie Weiss from the Wild Eyes Foundation. Good morning and welcome to Our Wild World. We've been discussing lately the issues surrounding wildlife in captivity and most recently elephants and the crisis they are facing. We've highlighted that we must reorient our relationship to our world's other living beings. My guests here have told us of the rampant wildlife crime and that was a year or so ago. And if you've been paying attention to the news now, wildlife crime is sweeping the planet almost unabated. There is, as my guest today, Damien Mander, has been telling us since 2012, a worldwide war on wildlife and that the illegal markets and exploitation of wildlife has risen on the global economic scale to be number four in illegal monies flooding black markets and lining the pockets of those who profit through the lives of others. Like drug cartels, the illegal weapons, human trafficking, the blood money from both live and dead wildlife is funding on one side terrorism and on the other increased status in booming economies. This is happening all across the planet, and our wildlife is paying the ultimate price. On the front line of this battle is the International Anti-Poaching Foundation and Damien Mander. Welcome, Damien. Ali, thank you very much for having me here again. Uh, just over a year since we spoke last on radio, but I know we've been in regular contact on email and, and, and chatting on Skype, but thank you very much for having me here. Well, it's it's a pleasure to have, it's always a pleasure to speak with you, but, you know, <laughs> I certainly wish the circumstances were better. When we spoke a year ago, after your compelling presentation at Jackson Hole and the TED Talk, which I strongly urge our audience to go look up, I had desperately hoped and wished that by now we would have a better handle on wildlife crime and trafficking, but it certainly seems otherwise. Uh, why don't you tell us what you've been up to for the past year on that thin green line? Is it getting any thicker? Look, my, my, myself and many other conservationists out there, the only reason we sleep at night is because we know that if we weren't doing what we were doing, the situation would be much worse, and it's it's very easy. It's very easy to get depressed and get down in what's happening in, in terms of the way wildlife is being exploited and the, the job of the ranger out there on the front line and how limited resources they have. But you really have to you really have to try and pull the positive things out of out of what we do because otherwise, 
you really wouldn't have a reason to go to work each day. Uh, we, we, we certainly do fa face a, a mountain of obstacles in what we do, but when we have our successes, that, that's what keeps us going. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a big year for us uh, in terms of growth and, and particularly from starting in 2009 and uh, me with my background, nothing in terms of uh, really business studies or anything like that and starting up what, what has now become four, four separately registered NGOs in Australia, the USA is a 501c3 South Africa and Zimbabwe, and pulling all those 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 different uh, all those four entities together, they've all got the same mission, the same objectives, uh, and and watching that grow, uh, the mistakes we've made, the lessons we've learnt, uh, it's 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 2014 has been a, a big step for us, and it, it's provided a solid platform for what we need to grow into, and that that is coming in 2015, 2016, some very big projects uh, which we've started. Uh, this year or, or escalated this year up in Zimbabwe and Mozambique, uh, other projects which are coming to, to an end in South Africa. So it, it has, it's been a steep learning curve for me. Uh, it's been uh, a period where we have experienced a lot of success but also a lot of heartache. And uh, I suppose you, it, it's, it's an organisation like this, you have to treat it like, like evolution. You, you're continuously taking the pieces that work and pushing them forward and getting rid of the bits that don't. And that's, that's basically what we're going through. So, as you'd said, a, a, lot, of growth, a lot of growth has occurred with IAPF, uh, International Anti-Poaching Foundation. Um, tell us, so you filled us in that now you have, you've pulled together and woven together four uh, NGOs, one here in the U.S., and um, three or four in Australia. I don't know. We, we okay. So we have the the Australian entity, which is a registered not for profit. The U.S. Ent entity, which is a is a five hundred one c three. They are our fundraising arms, and and our they're our public voice. That's that's what goes out and, and speaks to the masses. We've then got our operational arms, which is in Zimbabwe and South Africa, and these are the these are the entities that do the spending and they do the operations on the ground. And we all operate uh, together. We have an international steering committee made up from uh, representatives from each board of directors and myself. Uh, we meet uh, a couple of times a week, actually, uh, via Skype, thanks to technology, and 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 guide the direction of the organisation and what we have to do and, and making sure that all those checks and balances uh, are, are in place, as you as you know very well running a, an NGO yourself, Ellie. It's a lot of work, a lot of work, and it's great to hear that you meet a couple of times a week and keep this all pulled together. So before we go too much farther, I'd like our audience to uh, check out iapf.org. That's the website, and you'll find a tremendous amount of in, uh, information all about them, how this, the team got together. And if you go to um, the news and hearts and minds, you'll find a lot of what you can do to get involved and what IAPF is doing, both on the ground, on the uh, not-for-profit uh, registered charity side, and how you can help and how you can uh, contribute your funding, and to what's happening on the ground. And I'd also like to announce at this point that IAPF is going to be one of uh, Wild Eyes's uh, grantees for 2015. So if you're here in the U.S., you can donate directly to IAPF or through Wild Eyes Foundation, and you'll know that your funds are going directly to help on-the-ground projects. So now that we're 
we're getting yeah. there. You you just recently came back from Mozambique. In fact, we spoke the other day, and you were out there on the border. What were you uh, doing over there? Yeah, I've been spending an increasing amount of time in Mozambique. Uh, this whole rhino war situation, and and I doubt very much there'd be anybody involved or concerned with conservation that hasn't heard or, or knows uh, to a certain degree what is happening with 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 the rhino. And it's, it's actually a tragic story and the situation is getting worse every day, every week, every year. Uh, earlier this month, uh, the record number of rhinos, uh, which, w- which was set last year in South Africa, was surpassed again in, in 2014. Mozambique is the source of the problem. That is where uh, 80 to 90% of poachers who are doing the poaching come from. Kruger National Park, which houses 42% of the world's remaining white rhino population. Um, 90% of that population sits south of the Olifants River, which goes through the centre of Kruger National Park. Only 10% is north of that. Now, to the, to the east, across that border in Mozambique, is the Greater Labombo Conservancy, and that should be acting as a barrier or a buffer zone to Kruger and to to what essentially is the, the world's biggest rhino population in one concentrated area. And there, there hasn't been a lot of resources put into that area. We've been working there now for, for 13 months, uh, assisting operations on the ground, helping with with uh, various um, various resources uh, for the rangers, uh, different systems that we've been helping put in place, uh, pulling together strategic plans and helping to implement those. This, this area is the most critical piece of land on the planet for rhino conservation. Uh, this is the, the land that poachers are going through to get into Kruger to access these, these, these rhino populations. Uh, and it, let me, let me yeah. step in here a second. Help, help us understand. If this is really where the war is being fought, the war to save rhino and the war that's killing them, why aren't more resources from South Africa, from the world, being focused here? Why is it so thin? Uh, Mozambique can be a very difficult place to operate, uh, and it's, it's, I would say it's, it's an uncomfortable place for a lot of NGOs or, or private entities who are wanting to be involved uh, to, to try and navigate through what, what can often be an unknown uh, minefield, really. Now, it's, it, it is the key. This is where resources need to be put on the ground to try and deal with this issue. It, it is an insurgency that's going on. You've got small groups that are rising up out of the local population. They're crossing an international border. They're using paramilitary tactics and they're going against uh, regular forces such as uh, the, the rangers of Kruger National Park and South African Special Forces. Uh, it, is, it is a classic insurgency that we're seeing. When they're chased or hunted down, they fall back into the communities, they blend in, uh, and they're lost. This, it's very hard to try and pinpoint these types of, of fighters. They, they don't wear a uniform, they don't have a badge, they don't operate under any set of guidelines or rules. Um, so it's, a, it's a very that. different war. You're talking about people who just blend in. It kind of reminds me of Vietnam. And that was a war we lost and have, have continued to sort of fight in a different way. And now it's shifted to wildlife. So um, yeah. help us understand a little more 
who these poachers these poachers are we always highlight in in the world in the news the poachers um but it's uh, not really that per- i mean that person's doing the killing but why um who's enticing them to do this it's 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 a very sad situation actually and you go and spend a lot of time in these villages and i i, I have spent uh quite a significant amount of time going through these villages not just going through the villages but but speaking with the people, uh, with the authority of all the local chiefs, I, I spent my last week in Mozambique interviewing all the wives and the mothers and the brothers uh, and the fathers of poachers who had been killed in action uh, trying to hunt a rhino. And you start to understand that there's, a, there's another side to this. And we can sit here and jump up and down and say poachers are bad, we need to kill poachers, we need to save rhino, but... When you go and meet a mother who is now trying to support eight children by herself living in a mud hut in one of the poorest areas in one of the poorest countries in the world, you, you, you understand that there's a deep social uh, issue uh, that, that's, that's building here. Uh, there's a deep level of resentment that's building against South Africa as well uh, because of all their, their, their sons and fathers that have been killed going in trying to hunt rhino. Uh, I remember one comment from, from one of the chiefs there. And he said, I can, I can raise a dog in my house and I can look after that dog and that dog can be a good dog. He said, but there's going to come a time at night, one time in that dog's life where it can jump out the window and it can go into the neighbor's yard and kill my neighbor's goat. And this is a simple way of him putting it that we can raise our children, but what they do after that we can't control. They have no jobs here. There's no prospect for them. Uh, all they see is guys coming along from the capital in, in Maputo, other sensual uh, hubs like Magud, and you see guys in flashy cars. They live in flashy houses. Uh, they don't have to do the killing anymore. They've done their 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 share of action in Kruger. Uh, they just need to recruit young guys who can go in and risk their own lives uh, and pay them a fee for hiring a weapon uh, or selling the horn. And so it's it's. It's all well and good to say, oh, we've got to stop rhino poaching and we've got to go out and catch poachers and, and all that. Be, you've got to provide an alternative. And look, I, I, I completely understand that what I do and the organisation I re- represent, we are not the solution. We are only, trying, we are only buying time. I go, out, I go to work every day knowing that what I'm doing is not the big picture. We're just stopping the hemorrhaging at the front lines. And it's the hemorrhaging that's got to be stopped while we figure out not just as a country or as as a region but as a global community where we're going and how we're going to sort this issue out because the ultimate answer is this cliche which rolls off the tongue, hearts and minds. We need to get the hearts and minds of the people on the right side because unless we can do that, how are we ever going to convince them that, that poaching is a bad thing or that there's something else that they can be doing instead of poaching? So these are the these are the complex issues we deal with, uh, and I I'm dealing with it really at, at base level at, at ground. Level. So we talk about winning the hearts and minds, and we hear that a lot in Western civilization. You know, the animal lovers, animal welfare, animal rights, animal extremism, um, and it's almost fracturing the landscape in terms of pulling it together, as you said, as um, a global citizenry looking at what we're going to do to stop the exploitation of wildlife, which we're going to get into a bit more, and the actual killing of rhino and elephant. So, as you'd said, we have to win the hearts and minds of the people on the ground in these 
villages that are suffering greatly, more than we'll ever know here in great Western civilization. Yeah, that's right. Uh, these guys, they need jobs. Uh, they need a future. They need hope. They need something to aim for. At the moment, all they see is a, is a brand new motorbike or a, a flashy car, uh, a guy with a, a new iPhone or an iPod and designer clothes. And uh, they can either sit on their stump in their village doing nothing or they can go out and try and make something for themselves. And that's what we're seeing. Uh, I, I, I was passing a funeral of a, of a guy a poacher who'd been killed in South Africa only a few weeks ago and just seeing the amount of people that are there. The community is behind these people at large. You know, they, they, they are supporting and uh, there's a, you know, these people bring a certain economy uh, to these communities. They bring a certain prosper of hope for a lot of the young people. A lot of the young guys we spoke to, they celebrate when someone gets killed. Uh, celebrate how? Visits. How do you mean? Well, when, when when one of these poachers is killed, the young the younger guys, for them, it's an opportunity. There's a new place on one of these poaching teams to go in and That's try their luck. It is, it is. But what's the, what's what's the alternative for these guys? Well, I think that's what we need to get into. So um, at the moment, we need to cut away for a break. So stick with us. My guest today is Damien Mander of the International Anti-Poaching uh, Foundation. That's IAPF.org. And we're, stick with us. This is Ellie Weiss in Our Wild World, and we'll be right back. Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. 
here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. You'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to Our Wild World. And welcome back. This is Ellie Weiss with my guest, Damian Mander of the International Anti-Poaching Foundation. And before the break, uh, we were talking about what is going on in Mozambique. Damian spends a lot of time there. We understand that it is the, um, the, 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 the porous border between Mozambique and Kruger, where a lot of the activity, the poaching is coming from. And Damien was telling us about how the, the conditions in these villages are. And some very sad news that, um, or an understanding, I don't want to call it news, that the celebration when someone is killed, that it opens up an, uh, a place for someone to fill in in terms of poaching. So, Damien, um, you were talking about we have to provide alternatives. So what is it that IAPF and the organizations you work with, what is it you're doing? I understand you have a project, uh, some projects in Zimbabwe, um, not necessarily Mozambique yet, but that you're working with others. What What is this project? I understand it's very exciting. Uh, look, we, we are predominantly a, a frontline organisation. We deal with supporting rangers uh, on the ground to be able to do their job. So community work for us is not, uh, or, or community upliftment programs is not necessarily something we specialise in. What we do is, is align ourselves with organisations who do specialise in that. And we're seeing a, a, a greater awareness now of the requirement to get into Mozambique uh, from these organisations and start to really work uh, with these these communities. And we're seeing a lot of houses and schools being built, clinics being built, uh, but it's still, there's a, there's, a, there's a long way that this work has to go before a person is, or a poacher there is going to see benefit in the community more valuable than the one to two thousand US dollars a kilogram he's being paid to bring back a rhino horn from Kruger, and that's the reality you're dealing with. So, um, you you said something very important that you're a frontline organization, and it's very important for our listeners to understand that an organization does what it 
does and do it best and collaborate with organizations that are geared up and scaled up to do what they do best. So IAPF, mm-hmm. as he said, he's a front, as Damien said, it's a frontline organization. They work with uh, rangers, they work with training, and they collaborate with other organizations that are geared toward the community and social side of conservation. Mm-hmm. It takes all sides to make it happen. Um, so you you mentioned one of the projects. Go ahead. Yeah, one, one thing we are working at, and we, we turned actually to Colombia of all places to, for inspiration for this. Now, Colombia, uh, the Colombian government uh, had, had, in an effort to try and demobilize FARC rebels heading into Christmas, they set up a campaign. They went into the jungles and they got very large trees in, in eight different locations and they decorated these trees with Christmas lights and these banners that were tightly rolled up and everything was attached to trip wires and these were at main crossing points for insurgents in the jungle and the insurgent groups came across and they hit the trip wires at various stages during the night in eight different locations and the christmas trees lit up and the banners dropped down and colombia being a very very strong catholic country and, and, a, and a strong family uh, orientation around around christmas time these banners dropped down and it said, if Christmas can come to the jungle, you can go home to your family. <laughs> and this, this campaign led to the demobilization of 400 rebels uh, across Colombia. It was an extended campaign. Um, it was run over a couple of years, but it led to the permanent demobilization of, of 400 rebels. And we looked at the lessons that were, were learned there. What we're doing is we're putting together all the stories of the, the family members of poachers that are being killed and we're using that in a, in a campaign uh, that's going to be printed on, on posters and run across the entire eastern boundary uh, of these, these reserves in Mozambique. And it'll be a heartfelt message from a family member uh, directed straight at the poachers. And one of, the, one of the, the questions we asked the mothers and the daughters, if you could just, uh, the mothers and, the, and the, the wives, if you could get get your son or your husband back just for, for one sentence, just one thing before they're about to cross into that fence to go into battle, what, what would you say to them? And these are the messages that we're putting on these posters. And these posters will be the last thing they see before they cross into battle. And it's just, it's not a, a silver bullet by any means. It's just another way of appealing to a different side of, of, of the conscience of these people who are... Who are are going in and risking their lives. There's a, there's another side to it. They live behind a family, a wife, uh, uh, children. Uh, there's 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 got to be multiple ways that we attack this, and this is just another way that we're looking at it. I think that's uh, that's a fabulous idea, and um, it makes me smile. It's it's sad, um, but it makes me smile because it is thinking out of the box, and that's what we need to do today is think outside the box to engage the hearts and minds of the people on the ground. So we talk about the war on wildlife and the risk factor. It's not just the rangers. It's not just your team. Um, It is the poachers. They're going in and risking their lives too. And for what? Um, A product that has been proven and shown to have no medicinal value. Um, The unfortunate part is the only way to get rhino horn right now is to kill the rhino. So that would lead into a whole discussion on legalizing the trade in rhino. Um, do, do we want to go there? We, you know, we had that discussion uh, just over a year ago. I think I got 
got my message across. <laughs> All right. We, uh, yeah. <laughs> Legalizing the trade that, in rhino horn without it a, a globalized management plan. This is for my listeners. Um, it sounds like a great idea, but without a global management plan put into place first, then it will do the same thing that legalizing a sale in elephant ivory has done. It will uh, just it will not reduce the black market it will just shift it so we'll save that conversation for another time and another place and um i'd like just like to go back you were you were um a friend of ian players who recently passed away and he was one of not only the rhino's greatest champions but one of the greatest conservationists of our my era at any rate and we're losing these voices he was your mentor um tell us a little bit about working with Ian and knowing him? Look, Ian, Ian was involved with conservation for his whole life. Decades, uh, dedicated to saving the rhino. I was very fortunate enough to catch the last four years of that. Uh, and I'm, I'm one of many people that I imagine has been mentored or, or guided or inspired by Ian over the years. Uh, I first met Ian uh, back in 2010 uh, down in Durban and uh, it was a very very captivating man you can feel the energy around this guy uh, when you come into his presence and uh, what he's done uh, uh, it's 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 it, what, what what spoke to me about what what Ian achieved and Ian, Ian brought the southern white rhino back from from near extinction to what we have today which is is more than 20,000 animals uh, it, it's not what he achieved, it's the time, it's the lifetime that he dedicated to those achievements which, which really gave me a message and that, that was that you know, conservation isn't just some, something we dip in and out of, it's not just a, an option that we add on to our life or we don't add on to our life, it's something we really need to commit to and it's something that Ian did and, and he demonstrated it in every way and that for me is, is inspiring, to see someone do something so good for for sixty years. Uh, that's 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 something which you know, I really think we should all take something away from. Uh, he did something which it wasn't. He, he knew there was never going to be any personal wealth. He's never going to live in a big house or drive a fancy car. He, he did what was right, and what was right doesn't mean personal wealth. It doesn't mean personal comfort or personal gratification. It it is doing what we we all know deep inside is right, and Ian did that. You were recently interviewed by National Geographic about your feelings with Ian Player, and um, I'd like to read, if I may, just a short little sentence or two of what you had said. And um, it's a beautiful uh, article, and you can find it online under the keyword search, Remembering Game Warden Who Brought Rhinos Back from the Brink. And it's a wonderful um, excerpt of the full interview with Damien Mander. And Damien had said, Africa's wildlife is a global asset, and it will take a global effort to save this treasure. The, th- the threat to nature is multidimensional, complex issue with deep social implications. It's not just a matter of anti-poaching. I go to work each day knowing that what I do is not the answer. I'm only out there to stop the hemorrhaging on the front lines while we gain traction as a global community and start connecting with nature. Ultimately, that is what it will take. The realization that it is not the planet that needs saving, only us. And to do that, we must connect with nature. 
So through our the first part of our conversation, we we talked about this connection, but um, and what IAPF is doing. But let's let's shift into what is it going to take for not only the poachers on the ground in Mozambique, but us in terms of Western civilization, the wealthier nations, and those. Uh, cartels and communities that are booming in their middle-class economies to want to use these wildlife products. What's it going to take for us to reconnect? What do you think it's going to take? I, I can summarize that in one word. It's compassion. That's a for, good one. For me, for me, I got involved with conservation back in 2009 and Yes, it was good, and yes, I was achieving a, a, a certain level of success, a reasonable level of success. But in terms of really understanding what what it's going to take to connect with nature, and that's what it, we really have to connect with nature, it's compassion and understanding that. I mean, to look at to look at nature conservation without considering compassion is to is to look at marriage without considering love. We, we we need to understand that nature comprises of animals and trees in these wilderness areas, and that's all very important. But we, as a group of conservationists, people who have dedicated our lives to, to looking after these areas, we can't be selective. We need to set an example, and, and that example should be to look after all animals. We can't just pick and choose the ones we appear to us or the ones that we've pushed to the brink of extinction which are now sexy and we have to look after them we should be looking after all animals and when a person makes that that connection with all animals as as what is really uh what has really changed me i i feel as though i start to understand things on a much broader level and when i do that everything in my life changes uh everything in the way i i operate the way i think uh the way i want to be it, it, it changes and it, it is putting me second and putting nature first. And I don't know how to get more people to connect with nature. I don't know how to get that compassion into people. Um, but it's something, whether my projects are going good or my projects are going bad or whether I've got a few bucks in the bank or a lot, a lot of bucks in the bank, one thing I do have is compassion. And I found that. And, and nobody can take that away from me. And I don't know how to get that out to people. Uh, and for me, aside from starting up IAPF and, and starting uh, being involved with conservation, the best thing I've ever done is becoming vegan. And people say to me, are you a conservationist or you're an environmentalist? Well, you know, what are you? I say I'm a vegan. I'm a vegan. And that, that, that is accepting that, that all animals can suffer pain, um, that all animals deserve to be protected, and that I just have a certain skill set which is – uh, beneficial to looking after animals that are being targeted by paramilitary outfits. So how do we get people to connect with nature? How do we get people to have that level of compassion? I don't know, but I know for me it was the answer. Well, I think as we're heading into Christmas, and you talked about a Christmas project in Colombia and the project that you're doing along the borderline um, with po uh, posters saying what villagers' families are feeling as we head into this spiritual time that usually connects just about the whole world in one way or another. It's a holiday for 
just about every religion in the world, whether it's Christmas or Hanukkah or Ramadan or whatever religion or spectrum that you belief system you're in, this is a spiritual time where we do think a bit more about ourselves, uh, a bit more than just about ourselves, pardon me. Um, so I have a question that maybe uh, for our listeners that might address what you're saying. How do we connect? How do we create this peaceful coexistence, which isn't always going to be peaceful. There's always going to be conflict, but a, a compassion, as you're talking about. Maybe we need to seriously consider the world without wildlife, a world without animals, and all the cascade of consequences that will result when the megafauna are no longer here because of our greed or our world becomes so homogenous that nothing spectacular exists outside of cages breeding in captivity. So um, I'd like our listeners to just think on that for a minute. We need to cut away for a short break. Um, my guest today is Damian Mander with the International Anti-Poaching Foundation, and you can find his organization at iapf.org and learn about what uh, his projects are and what the organization is doing and how far it's come in the short time that it's been in existence since 2009 and since I met Damien in 2012. A lot has happened. So stick with us. We'll be right back. What can you find on Get Real Radio? Well, quite honestly, who you really are. Join host James Robinson each week for a program designed to reveal more about yourself and your world through words of wisdom and profound guests. You'll discover more about the spiritual movement and how it can work with you and alert you to problems you may not be aware of. It will educate, titillate, and enlighten your mind. Get Real Radio is broadcast live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This could end up being the best time of your week. Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. 
Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. It's time to take a new look at some of life's changing moments. It's time to listen to an expert who has been there and can provide insight through experience, studies, and enlightening guests. Tune in to Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. Host Lindsay Levinson takes a look at relationships, parenting, health and wellness, divorce, depression, sexuality, philanthropy, and mental health. You'll look at everything you know in a different way. Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets, airs Wednesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to Our Wild World. And welcome back. This is Ellie Weiss in Our Wild World with my guest, Damien Mander. So far, it's been sort of a a difficult program. Damien has let us know how hard it is to be out there on the thin green line and watch the exploitation of our world's wildlife, especially these spectacular species, species decline, that we are heading toward losing them. We have passed a tipping point. And um, right before the break, I asked us to consider a world without animals, without wildlife, or only those in captivity, and think about the future of what that world would look like and what it would feel like for us. So um, being that it is a giving time of year and a compassionate time of year, and that we are asking people to think about each other and what we can do, um, I have a question, Damien. Um, what do you personally find there is hope? What keeps you going every day? It's the successes we have uh, and, and the good stories we come across. I, I go through my ebbs and flows of, of uh, you're getting down on, on what we see and what we experience every day, uh, whether it's, it's cutting open a rhino carcass to try and dig a, a bullet out of that rhino uh, or, or finding a, a dead calf. These, these, these are sad stories, but then you have the good stories and, and you see the, all the media reports that rhinos are extinct in Mozambique, uh, but then you're part of a patrol which is actually following rhinos which have come into Mozambique and you know that because you're there, they're surviving. Uh, and you know, it's, 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 it's the small victories that keep you going. And, and again, what I said at the start of the program, if we weren't doing what we're doing, not just me, but, but but all people who are out there dedicating their lives to this cause, the situation would be much worse. So you know, we, need, we need to realize that it's not gone yet. Um, we talk about the ups and downs, and yes, it's, it's, it's what we gone. all go There's through, but it's not gone yet. No, it's not gone. We've still got to fight for it. We've and still got to fight for it. It's still there. There's still a fight on, and we're still in the game. 
And there's still all the beauty there. I mean, we talk about the fight and what's worth fighting for. And what this is, is the beauty. You know, you come across a live rhino and you come across a a newborn calf. That's something to be joyful about. We're We're not fighting for beauty. We're fighting for what's right. We're doing what's right. The people who are going out there and doing this and the people like yourself Everyone around the world that supports what we're doing and not supporting it because it's beautiful, it looks pretty, or we want to go for a trip to Africa and see wildlife, we're doing it because we know it's the right thing to do. Thank what you. else can you <laughs> Thank you for we that. Don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't need a pat on the back. We don't need any other form of inspiration. We just understand that what we're doing is right. And, I mean, you can look at, look at this planet, which has spun for 5.3 billion years through the, through the universe. Uh, species come and species go they go extinct and everyone talks about we're trying to save the planet we're not trying to save the planet the only thing we need to save is is ourselves and if that's not enough inspiration then I don't know what it is you know because we can do whatever we want to this planet the planet's going to keep turning species will go extinct we're one of five million species on this planet we're expendable Ellie we're expendable we are and that's a lot of what I talk about on this program is, you know, who are we to be the ultimate answer of every other living form on on this planet? We're just one amongst many. But somehow we've gotten to this point that we think we're the be-all and end-all of that all life was meant for us. And that's not that's not the way it works, folks. Um, we're just a part of this web. We've been hearing it since Chief Joseph that we're a part of the web, that all things connect. And what we do to the web, we do to ourselves. So it's, it's, a, it's a question I think Damien is asking us to think about, do we want to survive? And what kind of life do we want to have, not only today, but for our future? Do we want a planet uh, that works for us or do we want to work and fight against it yeah we can only fight against it for so long Ali, before it chews us up and spits us out <laughs> that is the truth we, are, we, 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 we have a we have enough intelligence between you and me and the listeners to figure out that if we keep going the way we're going this is going one place and it's not a nice place but we're going there so we can either accept that as it our, our path, our trajectory, or how we as individuals are going to connect with nature and what we're going to do about it. So ultimately, folks, it really is up to us. And um, not that Earth's survival depends on us, but our survival depends on depends us. On you're, you're breaking up. Damien, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, there you are. You're back. You were saying what? No, so our de- our survival depends on Earth. And Good point. The way Earth will look after us is if we look after it, and that is as simple as it gets. That is as simple as it gets. So it's up to us and the choices that we make every day. Um, I was asked once, you know, does it really matter whether I use my own plastic bag or the one from the store? And yes, it does matter. The simple choices we make every day are going to decide how the earth spins for us or how we spin for the earth so we've got some time left Damien what what would you like um, our listeners uh, to take away for today we've got 
maybe um, nine, ten minutes, what would you like to um, talk about that leads us into a little more hope and um, how we can support what you're doing? Well, of course, uh, our projects that we're working on at the moment are but is a couple of administrative projects which are very long-term, forward-thinking, but they are administrative. One has been the redevelopment of the qualifications that teach rangers here in in South Africa and eventually uh, the Southern African Development Community. Now, this is a process we've been going through for two years now. Uh, We've redeveloped the entire park ranger qualification and two new qualifications have been developed under the Quality Council for Trades and Occupations, and that is anti-poaching ranger and anti-poaching manager. And this is going to give rangers the career path they need and the skills they need to go out and, and deal uh, with with the realities of frontline conservation today. The other project, uh, and it's a project which I was just um, in Sydney uh, about a month ago to present at the World Parks Congress, is, is an IUC and best practices manual uh, for ranger training around the world and, and a small team of us uh, put this manual together and we presented it uh, for, for public opinion at the World Parks Congress, got great feedback uh, and this will be a, a set of guidelines that goes out around the world and let's, let's managers and, and instructors have a look at what's required uh, in their area of operation and go through this, this best practices manual and look at what they have to be able to do to, to reach those objectives. Uh, so that's these these are these are these are background projects that we've been working on. Um, our, our front line, our front line, of course, uh, Victoria Falls is is a project which continues to tick over. We've been there for uh, five years now. We lost our first rhino uh, only a few weeks back, uh, which was very unfortunate. But it was killed by its father, and wasn't killed by a poacher. We've we've never lost a rhino to a poacher where we are. The nearest uh, reserve uh, to us uh, has lost and went from 174 rhino uh, down to only three or four that are left now. Uh, and that's less than 100 kilometres away. We, we have not lost one. And we sit there in the the, the crux of the, the Kavango Sambezi Transfrontier uh, Conservation Area. We've got uh, Namibia and Botswana, Zambia, uh, Zimbabwe and not far away, Angola, all right there. So it's, 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 it's a very volatile area for poaching. People can come and go across borders and take what they want uh, and, and, and have a fair chance of getting away. And we, we haven't lost one until we lost that young calf uh, a few weeks back. Uh, further, further east uh, onto Lake Kariba, uh, 450,000 hectare uh, project. What do you call that in acres, Elliot? It must be well over a million acres. Something like uh, that. Yeah. Something like that. That'll the math, do. Um, the math on, in my brain this morning is not that fast. But it's it's big. There's a big a big uh, issue with elephant poaching that's been going on back there. The first aerial census that was done back in 2001, uh, the numbers that we projected from there, uh, looking at the the most recent aerial census in in 2014, indicate that. There is a loss in elephants of of the magnitude of thirty thousand, and that is not thirty thousand carcasses. That is what the population should be in the Sibungwe region uh, had poaching not have taken place, and that for us is 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 a significant numbers, and we we've we've 
had an aircraft up there. We've put a vehicle up there. We've got guys on the ground, uh, crime scene preservation kits, kits going to ranges, a lot of support going in for informer networks. This is uh, this is a big step for us, and it's it's something we've been working on for a while. We're now escalating this project uh, down into Mozambique uh, with the Limpopo National Park. Just this week alone, I've spent twenty thousand US dollars on kit for rangers up in Limpopo National Park. Next week will be another twenty thousand uh, dollars. Another three motorbikes which are going up there uh, for the guys to be able to get around a massive area, one point one million hectares. Uh, over a hundred ranges that are stationed there. You go into this is wild, wild land. It is, it is as vast as you can see. You get up in the air and you fly there, and you can see across one horizon across the next, and it is wild. There's nothing but trees and nature. And unfortunately, you've got a lot of poachers moving through these areas. Even seeing uh, almost bed and breakfast style camps set up with the local villagers for rhino poachers to be staged there, ready to go into Kruger National Park. Uh, so this is it's 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 quite a, a a dynamic area in terms of dealing with the local population and 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 seeing what uh, what is happening there and and the money that's coming in into these local populations uh, and knowing that a lot of that is attributed to rhino poaching, uh, pushing south uh, from Limpopo National Park uh, where we've been supporting uh, into the Great Lubombo Conservancy and what I stated earlier is the most critical piece of land on the planet for rhino conservation. as uh, a group of uh, reserves uh, there which, which, which really do need international support and I... I I guarantee anybody to, or I challenge anybody to put it to me in, in, in how they can come up with an, an area which is not as critical as that, that piece of land for rhino conservation. It is the buffer that separates the world's biggest rhino population from the majority of rhino poachers who are killing that rhino population. This is the area that needs support. So if, you, if, you, if anyone wants to be involved in that or anyone wants to have any sort of input donations to that area, they need to contact me, please. Well, what you've highlighted is, you know, the hard work that conservation is. And I've said this over and over, that conservation is not something that just happens. It's a lifetime commitment, and it takes time to make it happen. And we're seeing that right now with a a man like Ian Player uh, dedicating 60 years to someone like me dedicating 40 years to someone like you who's dedicating your life and made major lifestyle changes. We're talking about how we're going to reorient to the world and our relationship with the world and thus each other. And that conservation, to make it happen, requires money. It's unfortunate, but it requires money. And Damien has just uh, highlighted where your funds go. And um, it's not about just loving animals. Um, that's all well and good, but it doesn't accomplish anything. We need to put our money where our mouth is, and that's what an organization like Wild Eyes does and what an organization like International Anti-Poaching Foundation does. And we all have to work together. And in order to do that, we need you, my friends, my listeners, my audience all over the world. We need you to re-engage and reconnect and uh, with with the world, with nature, with wildlife, and understand that it is about us and the choices we make. So we have a couple of minutes left, Damien. What um, 
people can donate. What is it you need right now? What does International Anti-Poaching Foundation need right now? If people went and said, I'm going to donate, what are what are some of the funding numbers that you need? You said $20,000 last week, $20,000 this week. Wild Eyes is coming up with $20,000 to fund um, one of your important projects, and we're going to be talking about that. What do you need right now? Look, the, the, the immediate things we've put out, and this is on our Christmas wish list, uh, we need to get 100 maps for the field rangers who are out there on the ground. And these, these are $20 each. Uh, re- reward money for tip-offs as much as we can get, $50. Uh, the amount of information we get from people in, in, in various communities for assisting us in, in giving information about poachers that are moving through an area, that's critical. That's one of the key things for anti-poaching. Uh, GPS units, uh, 150 bucks each. We need fuel for aircrafts, 250 bucks a week. Uh, crime scene management kits. We just had five, uh, three units donated from Australia. We need to build uh, two more units, and we need another 350 dollars each for for those five units. Uh, Ten solar power setups at 500 bucks each. We actually need 15 shotguns, which I'm not allowed to say on radio. They're 700 bucks each. A satellite phone, a thousand bucks each, and we need a second-hand vehicle for 15 uh, 15,000 dollars. That's what we need. That is in my next couple of weeks of, of, of working on the ground. We need to get that stuff into the hands of rangers. We need to get out there on the front line. So you've heard it here, what is needed and what makes conservation happen. Damien and I, we just spent the last hour telling you how conservation on the ground has shifted, that it is not about um, safari and enjoying. Of course, that helps um, and, and putting bringing uh, foreign dollars in on the ground that does trickle down to communities. But we're talking about the communities that do not benefit necessarily from safari and tourism dollars. We're talking about conservation that turns changes hearts and minds of the people who are involved on the front line of conservation, on the killing side and on the protection side. So if you've got a Christmas um, spare dollar or two um, or 15000 then send it to International Anti-Poaching Foundation. And uh, we're out of time today. Damien, thank you so much for being here. Ali, you're a darling. Uh, <laughs> thank you for everything you do over so, so uh, long a period. It, it's amazing. It's inspirational. Thank you. Well, thank you. And um, it was... In, in the end, today's program is about hope. We do need your help. I hope everyone will reach out and give something, even if it's just raising awareness of the person standing next to you. So until next week, this is Ellie Weiss, my guest Damien Mander in the International Anti-Poaching Foundation, and Our Wild World. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us this week. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Our Wild World with your host, Ellie Weiss, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think about living with wildlife during the coming week and what you can do right now. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests 
and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 